0: Welcome to Bible Line, a ministry of Calvary Community Church. Our podcast is dedicated to the clear teaching of God's Word. We aim to help people find Jesus Christ and train believers through the study of the Bible. We would love to feature your questions on the show. You can email us at questions at BibleLineMinistries.org. If you'd like to support the show, you can go to calvaryoftampa.org forward slash donate. Catch new episodes every Thursday. We pray today's episode is a blessing to you.
1: Alright, let's go ahead and open up our Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 3. It's a short study tonight uh, in anticipation that we um, spend time in prayer. But um, I want to talk about a, a, a topic that I've spoken on before, but just recently, especially with everything that we've been studying about apostate teachers, I think it becomes pretty relevant and it's in First Peter chapter 3, we're going to start there in verse 10. And the, the title of our study tonight is, We Must Tame the Tongue. We Must Tame the Tongue. Now, if you are familiar with any kind of uh, apostate teacher or teacher of the Bible, you know their most powerful tool that really brings them a lot of charm and a lot of following is their tongue. The things that they say, how they say them. Uh, the things that they don't say. It's, it's very important to realize that our tongue is first a natural master to our flesh. Okay? The tongue is a small thing. And we're gonna look in how James describes it as a small fire. And it's interesting. I don't know how many of you guys have had the opportunity to light campfires and stuff, but it's just a little flame in the beginning. But if, if that flame gets on the right kind of material at the right time, boy, you'll, you'll have a fire that'll burn all night. And it can start as just a little thing. If you've ever seen a lighter, uh, you can, with, with, with enough time, you can light a building on fire with just a lighter if it's proper, if the flame is properly placed. This is a description of our tongue. And it's very important that we recognize, uh, there is a responsibility for you and me to tame the things that we say. And one of the hardest things to do is to tame that tongue. Boy, if you're married, I don't mean this as a joke, but if you're married, you realize how easy it is to to hurt people with your tongue. If you're in ministry, you realize how easy it is to hurt people with your tongue. And, you know, we may want to say, well, I'm having a bad day, or it's just a series of unfortunate events that have led to me saying this thing. But we have made a decision long before we actually commit in that moment, to say those things and how we say them. Now, this is not uh, sensitivity training. I'm not saying that we should walk on pins and needles around everybody, but we have to realize the power that is here within our mouth. And it is a first, a slave to the old nature. Your old nature is older than your new nature. And we have to realize that as we are learning to tame our tongue. So the first point I want to talk about here is the tongue reveals The contents of the mind. Look there in first Peter chapter three, verses ten and eleven. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain from his uh let him refrain his tongue from evil, and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good, let him seek peace and ensue it. We see here, I mean it's in a larger portion talking about Relationships, husbands and wives, if you look in the first nine verses there. But it's kind of capped with the point that is made that if you want to have a life that is full of goodness and peace, you gotta control this. Because if this is out of control, it's not gonna produce peace. And unfortunately, what's happening in, in many Christian circles today is this is out of control. It's out of control. People don't know how to share the gospel well. I have seen people earnestly try to win people to Christ, but they don't realize they're just murdering them with their words. If you ever heard Dr. Arnold's testimony, you remember how when he was in that, I I can't remember the name of it, uh, but it was a, a rescue mission. And he was giving a message about the gospel. The leader of the rescue message said, did you want those people to go to heaven? Because the way that you were talking to them It sounded like you wanted them to go to hell. And it's it's Dr. Arnold will tell you that was a growing moment for him. We may speak the truth, but the way that we say things can actually lead people away from it. Now, ultimately, they have their own decision. But in today's heightened political environment where everybody's got an opinion and every opinion is a matter of life and death, you have to be careful how you say things. And be careful what you talk about, right? Unfortunately, since uh, Donald Trump was elected and when he was in office, people just got really bold on things that they didn't really need to be bold about. And Christians have now died to service in Christ, and they've become born again under conservative values. And that's a shame. It shouldn't be that way. And it's how the devil works. Listen, the devil is subtle. I was talking about this. I was reading an article today on a website called Desiring God, and I would encourage you, if you're on that website, to realize that is the product of a Calvinistic doctrine. You need to be careful with that website. But some guy was writing an article on there, and he was making this point that, are you living a Christian fairy tale? Is your Christian life a dream? You may say you love God. You may say that you're saved by grace, but is it really evident by the things in your life? Just subtlety. Listen, the original counsels of the early Christian church that started debating whether Christ came in the flesh or not, whether the miracles he was doing were legitimate or not, could have been answered if they stuck with Scripture. Because, listen, the devil did the same thing. Subtle. Adam and Eve had clear instructions on what they were supposed to do in the garden. Right? What did the devil say? Did he really mean that? Boy, welcome to a normal Friday night devotional in many churches. Well, what does this passage mean to you? And what does this passage mean to you? And then this, that, 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 that just runs crazy. And you got people saying everything that they think the scripture means to them personally. The original interpretation is gone. And the application is so far fetched that you really can't look at anyone and say, well, that's not true. Because, well, this is what I think the Lord is revealing to me. It doesn't work like that. You have interpretation clearly of scripture, but this is out of control. This is out of control for people. Look over there in James chapter 3. We're going to be bouncing around a little bit here. But if you look in James chapter 3, you have a great uh, warning about your tongue. Now, if you are a good Bible student, you'll recognize this whole passage about the tongue in James 3 is talking about teachers. Listen closely, because many of you that are here tonight... You probably will have an opportunity to teach. And I say this for myself too. You better be sure you're teaching the Word of God. You better be sure. I better be sure that we are rightly dividing the Word of Truth. And if we're not prepared, and we're not willing to put the time in to be prepared, then you ought not speak. You you need to realize that. Look at verse 1 before we look at verses 3 and 5. My brethren, be not many masters or teachers, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. When you and I open up the Bible, if we're not, if we have not rightly divided the word beforehand and we're not prepared, we're going to come under judgment for that. It's a guarantee. Look at verse three. Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouths that they may obey us and we turn about their whole body. Now you know how I feel about horse riding. But if you if you look at a horse, they have that metal piece in their mouth and by a slight pull you can tell that horse to back up, go left, go right. You have control of that animal. A wild animal that would that on its own would not obey you, you can now control it. He's setting up the illustration here, verse 4. Behold also the ships Which though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm. Isn't this a wonderful illustration? It's that little rudder in the back. Boy, you move that a couple degrees and that entire ship is going in a a different direction. But it's such a big boat and it has all these different features and it's so expensive and all that. Yeah, but if you... Have control of that one piece. You got control of the whole thing. So now here's your body. Here's your ministry. Here's your testimony. This is what controls it. Right there. Look what it says in verse at the end of verse four. Whithersoever the governor listed. Verse five. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindled. We talked about this with the flame of a lighter. Small, but properly placed, can light a building on fire. Our tongue ultimately controls the direction that we go. And if we are serving this, we will produce the fruit of unrighteousness. We'll produce wickedness. We'll produce contention, division. You have to be careful. You have to recognize Look over there in Proverbs chapter 16 in verse 23. Proverbs chapter 16. Verse 23, some page 683. The heart of the wise teacheth his mouth. And addeth learning to his lips. You know why you need to teach your mouth and add learning to your lips? Because it lacks knowledge. It lacks discipline. When you look, you can go back to uh, James chapter three. When you look at today's political environment, that tongue is out of control. Is it not? Is it not? Right now, the tongue is replaced with some digits on your hands that we call them keyboard warriors. They have, a, they have an official term now, social justice warriors, and they will go out, and I'm not kidding you, they will destroy people's career. Some Twitter account that's an egg, and <laughs> what that means is that the brand new account doesn't even have a profile picture, but because somebody with a with a profile picture and a name and a Twitter account said something about somebody, whole testimonies can be ruined just by the... Or people, they go to rallies and they say things and they... Spark riots and they spark violence and they feed those flames. It all starts here. You have to be careful because the tongue reveals the contents of the mind. The things that you say are a product of the things that you think. Number two, the tongue is a slave to the old nature. Recognize and heed to this weakness. James 3, look at verses 6 through 8. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature. And it is set on fire of hell for every kind of beast and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is unruly evil, full of deadly poison. We have to watch this as pastors, that we don't let our anger and our disappointment come across in the pulpit. Listen, boy, have I seen some pastors that lack control of their tongue and they're proud of it. They say, well, that's what people need to hear. But I don't hear the gospel in that. And even in that message, I don't hear the gospel. And they'll stand on pulpits. I've seen preachers flip their pulpit. Ooh. Oh, the wrath of God among us. No, it's it's actually a lack of control. It's a lack of control. You look at the qualifications of a teacher, and that's not it. It's not it. Patient. Sober. I'm not using Wednesday nights to come out here and, and you know, politically bash things and be all mad and upset. Like, look at Jesse, full of the Spirit tonight. Yeah, I don't know what Spirit. Is it of his flesh or is, is it the Holy Spirit? We have to be careful of these things. But it says here, the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. If I offered you a drink and you knew it had poison in it, are you drinking it? Why would you drink a drink that's all poison? Even a little bit, we have to be able to control those things. Hold your place there and look in Romans chapter 3. You're you're probably familiar with Romans 3. It talks about uh, a a large portion of of... That chapter talks about the shortcomings of man, the natural products of man. Look at this description of Romans chapter 3 and verses 13 through 14. Their throat is an open sepulcher. You know what that is? It's an open grave. Go, well, do not go dig up a a grave. Okay. I'm not going to say go dig up a grave, but if you were, you're not going to bottle that and sell it as the next perfume or cologne. It stinks. With their tongues, they have used deceit. I, I don't know why, but I have a very like vivid imagination, so sometimes it's almost like I can imagine the things that are coming out of people's mouths as like a web of deceit. It's like we can't see it, but it just creeps up on people's ankles and binds their legs and binds their arms and controls their mind with the things that people say used to see the poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. And that mouth controls the feet. Verse 15, their feet are swift to shed blood. We saw that last year. Okay, we saw that in our streets in America. People were dying, losing their lives over something somebody said. One Facebook post One campaign rally, whatever it was, actually led to bloodshed. It's not hard. It's not hard. It's natural to man to produce that way. What we can say can be a quick strike of deadly poison. So we've talked about how the tongue reveals the content of the mind. It is a slave to the old nature. We need to recognize and heed this. And we battle our tongue, point number three here, by preparing our mind. Let me read you Psalms uh, 19, verse 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart. Boy, that's good. Be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. This proves that our words can be acceptable to God. The things that we say can be accepted by God. also, our deep thoughts, our meditations can be acceptable to God. We have to recognize that God, he's the source of our new birth. So we can also learn to tame our tongue through that new birth. It's called walking in the Spirit. And you gotta learn how to control this. Look in 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. Verses 13 and 14. And who is he that will harm you if you be followers of that which is good? But, and if you suffer for righteousness sake, happy are ye, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. This is, this we can use this as an application to the things that we choose to be public on. Don't be deceived. You're being recorded. Okay, and I'm not about to go tinfoil hat on you. I'm talking about your, people are watching you. They're listening to what you're saying. And if you're a teacher, People get an opportunity to hear you a lot more than they do other people. You better be careful what you're saying. And the things that you choose not to say either. Where are we, what hill are we gonna die on? Right? And unfortunately what's happening with Christians is they want to use this to talk about all the political things, but this all of a sudden gets real quiet about Jesus. No track record there. You need to be careful. And if you do suffer for speaking about Christ, for speaking about the gospel, here's your perspective. Happy are ye. It's kind of dark. It's like, oh well, I uh, you may lose your job for standing up for your faith. Be happy in that. Now look, do not be the one that's going out there looking to make it happen. There are Christians like that that they bring about their own judgment. Because they're undisciplined and they almost look for it to happen so they can say, Oh yes, look at me. Look how I suffered. Well, you actually brought that upon yourself. But there's going to come a time, and especially in the tribulation period, where just acknowledgement of Jesus Christ is going to bring upon a sharp sword upon your neck. We know that. People are going to be beheaded in the tribulation period. There's coming a time where you need to take a mark... To identify with the God that this world says is God. And people are going to die because they don't take it. It's going to happen. We can see it in Revelation. We need to have the right attitude. James chapter 1 and verse 19 says this. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, and this is very easy preaching, extremely hard living. Listen to this. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man. Oh, this doesn't apply to me. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Let every man be what? Swift, quick to what? Here. Now, I know I'm I'm about to go preschool on you. I'm about to go old teacher's trick to keep them kids quiet. But you got two of these and you got one of these. That's not just to keep you quiet in, in, in elementary school. It's to keep you disciplined as an adult, too. You got two of these. And you know what happens when this starts going? The volume is turned down. You become unable to hear. You ever seen a shouting match or been in one? Come on now. You can get so loud you don't even hear the other person. (laughs) You're going back and forth and back and forth. And nothing's really happening. The comical thing is to be the person very far removed where you can't hear anything, but you just see people, you know, gesticulating in these weird ways. No control there. But we need to make sure, look at what the rest of this says. Swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Starts with our tongue. The last thing we should be doing is relying on the natural impulse of the tongue. Instead, we should be focused on listening to what is said before rushing to the tongue. Let me tell you how I judge a ministry. Jesse, you judge ministries? I sure do. This is how I do it. Without using this. I use this. And I use this. And I look at what they write. I look at the materials that they produce. And I hold a very fine standard. What do you say a person must do to be saved? And most of the time, what I find is the truth. They're either saying Christ is all that you need, or He's not all that you need. But I'm not calling people. let Let me ask you a question about X, Y, and Z. I'm looking at what they've already produced. And then I make a judgment on that. And there have been people that I have taken the next step to call them and inquire about that question. I've called churches and I've asked them, you know, I'm a pastor down here at XYZ and I want to talk to you about the gospel because I see on your website, you know, someone has referred me to your page and I'm concerned about what I see. And I'd just like to ask you, tell me how I can know I have eternal life. Just let them go. But I'm not calling them up and beating them up and trying to, oh yeah, Calvary's the best. We're the only one. We're not. Okay. We're not the only church that's clear. But are we trying to win people or are we trying to separate from them in a way that we can't reach them? Look at this, look at this, uh, these, these last few points here. If you look in uh, 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15, it says that we need to be ready to give an answer. You give an answer with your tongue. In order to give a good answer, you need to be prepared. So the things that you learn, you need to be ready to speak about them, about the Bible, things that you learn biblically about salvation, about important doctrines. You need to be prepared to speak about them. Now I know I spoke harshly about being a teacher and and the judgment that's on there, but don't shy away from that. Listen, there's some of you here tonight that that is actually motivating to you. You're like, yeah, I get it, and I want to I want to be disciplined in my scripture, and I want to teach. And I say, that's great. We need more people like you. We need less people that are talking about things they haven't studied and they don't know. Unfortunately, it's flooded on YouTube and all that. And I've talked about that at length, but verse 15, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. You can't do that with a flame on fire in your mouth. You can't do that with your ears closed. You can't hear the question and give an answer if you're just want to pet, 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 all the time. Learn to be quiet, listen, build your answer, and then give it clearly. So here's some questions for quiet reflection later. Number one: Do I have self-control with the words that I use? Do I have self-control with the words that I use? Number two, do my words reflect my old nature or my new nature? Do my words reflect my old nature or my new nature? And then the third one here. Do I use my tongue quicker than I use my ears? Do I have self-control with the words I use? Do my words reflect my old nature or my new nature? Do I use my tongue quicker than i use my ears this is great devotional material for you this week and really for your entire life i was talking to a friend just the other day and we talked about this point it is foolish to think that we are going to attain some type of genuine discipline in three seconds we have to prepare ourselves for the way we're going to respond I think that happens in your, your 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 morning time devotions where it's quiet. Well, Jesse, I have to get up earlier. you got to get up earlier. It, it's, a, it's not just going to happen overnight. But you've got to get up and commit time to how are you going to respond to things. Are you going to be ready to submit to the righteousness of God instead of the unrighteousness of your flesh? And if you think and if if I think that's going to happen in a second, somebody gets on your nerves and you're ready to blow up on them. If you really think in three seconds you're going to make a wholly educated decision, you're wrong. It's not going to happen that quickly. And if you do, you're going to be dishonest and deceitful. You need to spend time in preparation. We, We all do. This can be tamed. But it has a master first. It has a master first. Now, look up here as we close. You may have never seen this before. Maybe you've been to church all your life. But you've never had this question answered. I'm going to ask this question of everybody, and I want you to answer it in your own mind. Do you have 100% assurance that where you're going to go when you die is heaven? Let me ask you another question. If you were to stand before God and he were to ask you, why should I let you into heaven? What would your answer be? What are you trusting in to get you there? Is it your good works? Is it your church attendance? Is it the fact that you're not as bad as the worst person that you know? Because if it's anything outside of Jesus Christ, friend, you're you're falling short. But let me explain by an illustration. Look up here now. Pay attention. This hand represents you and me, everybody in the entire world. My wallet represents sin. I'm going to put this on top of my hand because the Bible says... For all is sin and come short of the glory of God. That That word sin means to miss the mark. If I were to have a bow and arrow and I were to aim for the moon, I may have good intention in my aim. I may have the ability to aim well, but I'm not hitting the moon. I'm going to fall short. It's not going to happen. We all fall short. We all have sin. We fall short of God's perfection. Now, God, he loves us, but he hates our sin because this sin separates us from him. Now, in order to get to heaven, very simple. What do I need to do to get to heaven? Well, let me tell you, you have to be perfect. What? Yeah, perfect. That means without any sin. Oh, so you mean if I start today and go for the rest of my life, that means perfection, right? Actually, no, it doesn't. You have to have no sin before tonight either. Well, who is qualified? Now you get it. For all have sinned and fallen short. Now, the Bible also clearly teaches Jesus Christ himself, God in the flesh, said more about hell than he did about heaven. But there's whole religions that want to say, (laughs) not really. The Bible teaches about it. A literal fire burning hell forever. Well, who goes there? All those who have sin. So if you and I were to make a legitimate payment for our sin, it'd be in a place called, called hell, and it's forever separated from God. Well, Jesse, what if I... Turn from my sin. What if I don't sin as much? What if I pay off my sin with good works? That's not how sin is paid. Listen to me. Death is required. You have Somebody's got to die for this sin. World religions, if I let this little prayer sheet represent all of our works, they say, okay, here you go. So you take... All your works, right? You give them to God and He'll balance them out and your good works if you have enough and your sin if you don't have enough. It'll, you know, balance out and God will honor you based on your good works. The Bible says not of works lest any man should boast. If you and I could work our way to heaven, we'd be able to stand next to God and say, I did it too. Yeah, Jesus did it, but look at me. I did it too. It's not going to happen. So we have a all caps problem. This hand represents jesus christ i mean that reverently he was fully god and fully man god demonstrated his love i don't know why people think that god is not loving and they like to point at all the bad things that are happening in the world and say that's god's fault it's not god did not create the world in that state man brought that in because of this sin but god loves you maybe you're here tonight you never really thought about that well yeah god loves good people he loves all people there's no good people Show me a good person and I'll show you a liar. Yikes! (laughs) We all got problems. Maybe on the outside we're polished and clean, but on the inside we're rotting, we're rotting graves. Let's be honest. We need a savior. No matter how old you are or how young you are, you need somebody to save you. That's what Jesus Christ did. He went to that cross on Calvary and He took all of your sin, laid it upon Himself, He went to that grave, he died, he was buried, and he rose again three days later to prove that this sin that was sending you to hell, he paid for it. Now listen, all y'all smart ones out there, right? You're following what I'm saying. And you're saying, Jesse, wait, you said that Christ paid for all the sin of all the world. Then uh, how do people go to hell if all sin is paid? I'm glad you're paying attention. And here's the point. He does not give you that righteousness of God until you believe on his son. I'm not talking about, yeah, I believe he was a historical figure. I'm not talking about, yeah, I believe he was the son of God who died for sin. I'm. Do you believe he did it for you? It's a personal thing. Now, the Baptist comes out and says, he's knocking on the door of your heart. Just open it up and let him come on in. That's baloney. It's not in the Bible. Here's how you can know you have eternal life. Here's how you can stand before God and say, I know I'm going to heaven. Look for God. So love the world that's you and me, that he gave his only begotten son, that's Jesus Christ, that whosoever, again, you and me, anybody, watch here, believeth, do a little instant replay, whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So the only way you can know you're going to heaven is by believing on Jesus Christ, that he died and rose again for your sins. You say, Jesse, it can't be that easy. Friend, if it's any harder than that, it's not salvation. If you have to work for it, it's not a free gift. All you have to do to know for sure that you have eternal life is put your trust in Jesus Christ. Many of you, when you came in today, you sat on that pew. I saw none of you check the weight restrictions. I saw none of you check to make sure that all the screws are properly placed. You sat down, trusting that pew would hold you up. It's a very similar comparison to putting your trust in Christ. Rest in Him. And the moment that you're saved, you're saved forever. If it's eternal life, it has to last forever. You can't lose your salvation. I've had kids ask me this. Well, what if I went across the street, robbed a bank, killed a baby, and then I died? Surely I'd be going to hell. No. And they're like, how? Is doing all that a sin? Yeah. Did Jesus pay for that sin? Yeah. Well, if you believe on him, you're going to heaven. Another person put it this way. You mean I can live like the devil and still go to heaven? It's a crude way to put it, but it's the truth. Otherwise, it ain't grace. Otherwise, you have to have some kind of proof. You may never come back in this church again, but you can get saved tonight. I'm not going to ask you to come down the altar. I'm not going to walk around with a holy hand of fire and slap you around. That's not that's not salvation. Salvation is this. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and now shalt be saved right now. You can get saved right now. Doesn't matter if you're first time here. You've been here for years. Believe on Jesus Christ. and You can receive eternal life. Ooh, That's good news. Sure is. That's why why it's called the gospel. Will you pray with me? Heads bowed, please. And eyes closed. Nobody looking around. If you're here tonight, I want you to listen to what I'm saying, please. God loves you very much. He sent his son to die for you. And maybe you're thinking, you know, religion is not for me. Church is not for me. I get that. I understand. Because church is full of hypocrites. I understand that. (coughs) But we're not talking about church and all those things. We're talking about your salvation. Do you know for sure you're going to heaven when you die? If you can't answer that question in the affirmative, you can't say yes, you can get saved tonight right where you're sitting. The best you know how, you can decide to put your trust in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Believe on His death, burial, and resurrection that He paid for your sin. And right in that moment, if you believe it right now, you're saved forever. You don't need to get baptized to be saved. You don't need to give us any money to be saved. You don't have to shake my hand to be saved. You may turn out, turn around out of here. i never see you again. But if you trust on Jesus Christ, you can receive eternal life right now. And that's a promise. So right where you're sitting today, if that made sense to you, and I want you to make this decision for yourself, don't worry about anybody else. If that made sense today, will you believe on Jesus Will you believe that He did die on that cross for your sins and that He rose again the the third day? If you will, I'd like to know. I'd like to have you raise your hand. It doesn't save you. It just lets me know that, hey, what Pastor Jesse said made sense and I'm going to believe on Jesus tonight, anyone at all, before we close. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed so no one's looking around. It just lets me know that you trusted in Christ. Anyone at all before we close. Heads are bowed and eyes are still closed. Your tongue can get out of control if you are not careful. I want to encourage those of you. I want to encourage those of you who struggle with the things that you say to realize that there's victory in walking in the Spirit. And those of you who are more apt to speak out instead of listen, I want that to be flipped. The Lord wants that to be flipped but rejoice in that we can still use this wicked tongue to proclaim Christ and commit to do those things. Father, thank You so much for those who have indicated tonight that they've put their trust in You. I thank You, Lord, for the Gospel being preached. I thank You for Your Word. I pray, Lord, that You can bring us back here safely on Sunday morning. We thank You for all the prayer requests that You continue to answer.
0: In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for listening to today's episode. As a thank you to our listeners, we want to give away a free Bible every month this year. To enter, send us an email with your Bible question. Our email address is questions at biblelineministries.org. Be sure to subscribe to the show and check back each Thursday for new episodes. Until next time, keep looking up. Jesus is coming soon.